We're reading from Judges chapter 6 and verse 25. It's the story of Gideon. Um, And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take your father's young bull, even the second bull of the seven-year-old, and throw down the altars of Baal that your father has that your fathers have cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord your God upon the top of the rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer it as a burnt sacrifice with the wood on the grove which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men, his servants, and did as the Lord said unto him, and so it was. Because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, so he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bull was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die, because he has cast down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? Will will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death, whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one has cast down the altar. Therefore, on that day, he called Gideon Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he has thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched their tents in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer gathered all unto him. And they sent messengers throughout Manasseh, who also gathered after him, and sent messengers unto Asher, unto Zebulun, unto Naphtali. And they all came to him. And Gideon said unto God, If you will save Israel by my hand... As you have said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool upon the floor, and if dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry all in the earth beside, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so, for he rose up early in the morning, thrust the fleece together, and wrung out the dew of the fleece in a bowl of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not your anger be hot against me. I will speak but once. Let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with the fleece, let it be now dry upon the fleece only and wet upon the ground. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only and there was dew upon the ground. Thank you, Lynn. Let's uh, pray together as we come to open up God's word this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and we pray this morning that as as we look into your word that you might speak to us, that you might open our eyes to see the things that you want us to see, that you might open our ears to hear the things that you want us to hear and that you might open our hearts so that we can receive you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, our text for the year. 
Can anybody uh, remember it? I keep asking you this in the hope that uh, that someone will be uh, brave. We all got a, a card, and we've got it on our on our fridges or uh, on our places of work. Anybody remember our text for the year? We want people to memorise this first so that you can uh, you can carry it around with you. It's not just a one-off event, it's our, it's our text for the year and we want people to take it with us. So while we're having a bit of a laugh, you know, getting people to try and memorise it, there was a serious aspect to this. So we want people to, to engage with God's word and really kind of take it into your heart and take it upon yourself. So do try and uh, memorise that verse and don't be frightened of, uh, of having a go. So uh, thank you, uh, Jennifer. Last week we started to look at uh, the interesting, it is an interesting story, isn't it? The story of Gideon. And uh, we started looking at, uh, at this story. Uh, Gideon, the mighty warrior. And uh, we saw uh, last week that Gideon was a, an undercover hero. He was hiding in the wine press because he was, uh, he was frightened that people would, uh, would come and attack him or steal his harvest. And we said that Gideon was more of a, a wimp in a wine press. Uh, than a, and a mighty warrior. That's how he probably saw himself and maybe how others saw him. Uh, we also said that Gideon was a, an unlikely hero. Uh, he wasn't your kind of uh, textbook hero. He wasn't a naturally uh, strong and courageous person and yet God, God's uh, messenger spoke these words over him and said that God is with you, mighty warrior. And uh, we said that, you know, we're looking for mighty warriors here in Lum. And we said that, you know, maybe you're going to be a mighty warrior for God or maybe the person next to you is going to be a mighty warrior. And then we saw that that Gideon was an unwilling hero. Uh, He he was hesitant about what God said about him. And he wanted a sign, he wanted a proof as if an angel uh, standing before him wasn't enough. He wanted some sort of sign uh, to prove that this was God speaking to him. And that's where we left uh, Gideon last week. Uh, he'd got this sign from God and he, and he, and he made an offering. And uh, we wondered, didn't we, uh, what was going to happen next? And I'm sure all week as you've been going about your week, you've been wondering, what happens to Gideon? Uh, what happens next? Well, you've come back. And, uh, and you're going to find out. And the first thing that we see, uh, as we continue the story of Gideon, the mighty warrior, is that Gideon is given a special assignment by God. Gideon was given a special assignment by God. The same night, this is the same night, it's been a, it's been a busy day, hasn't it, for Gideon? You know, just when you think, you know, if it wasn't enough, an angel of the Lord appears, tells him he's going to be a, a mighty warrior. There's a sign, he, 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 he makes this altar to the God. And it's not, if that wasn't enough, he's probably thinking, right, I've had a busy day. I'll go and get my head down. And God speaks to him that same night and says to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. You see, one of the things that had happened to the uh, Israelites is uh, they were living in in the promised land, uh, but it was a land that that was occupied by other people. And uh, and they'd picked up some of the habits and some of the religions of other people. And some of the people, and even Gideon's father, had started uh, worshipping Baal. And the first assignment that God gives Gideon is a home assignment. It's a bit like at school, here's your homework, Gideon. Uh, there's a few things that you need to sort out. 
And it made me think, you know, what are our Asherah poles? What are our Asherah poles? Or to put it another way, you know, what's in our backyard that we need to get rid of? What is it in our backyard that we need to give, to get rid of? Uh, God's spoken to Gideon, he says, you're going to be a mighty warrior. Uh, but before Gideon can become a mighty warrior, there's some stuff that needs sorting out. And I don't know about you, um, but I've got stuff that needs sorting out. If you've been in my office, you'll have noticed I'm a little bit of a hoarder. I don't like getting rid of stuff. I hang on to stuff. You think, oh, I'll, I'll be able to use that someday. And uh, we do hang on to stuff, don't we? And God says to Gideon, you need to go out into your father's backyard and you need to tear down that altar to Baal and get rid of that Asherah pole and build a proper altar to me. And I just wonder, I wonder if there are things in our lives that really we need to get rid of. And I wonder what those things are. There's obvious things, isn't there? There's bad habits and, and, and obviously worshipping a different God uh, is, is something that the Israelites shouldn't have been doing. So there's obvious things uh, that we do that we shouldn't do. Those are obvious, and we know what they are, even though we make mistakes. Uh, but there are other things that we hang on to, don't we? Uh, some of us hang on to uh, regrets. Uh, things that we wish we had done, or things that we wish that we hadn't done. Some of us hang on to bitterness, don't we? You know, we've been, uh, we've perhaps been uh, upset or, or hurt by, by somebody or something that's happened to us, and we kind of hang on to these things. And they affect us. And they prevent us from becoming mighty warriors for God. And God says to Gideon, you need to get rid of all that stuff before I can make you into a mighty warrior. Gideon, you know, he doesn't become a a mighty warrior overnight. Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. That's great, isn't it? He did what God told him. But because he was afraid of his family... And the men of the town, he did it at night rather than the daytime. Now, I don't know about you, but this just still doesn't sound like Gideon the mighty warrior. If he was a mighty warrior, surely he'd just get his armor on and go there and, and knock the altar down in broad daylight and say, you know, who's going to stop me? But no, Gideon is still a bit of a wimp. He's still a bit of a wimp. He's still afraid. And you see, the thing is, you know, Gideon doesn't become a mighty warrior overnight. Gideon doesn't become a mighty warrior overnight. Some people are disappointed, you know. Some people, uh, they commit themselves to, to, to God and, and they step out for God and they imagine that God's going to kind of zap them and change them overnight in, into uh, a strong and courageous people. And some people are disappointed because they think God's going to get rid of all, all, our, our, all our kind of characteristics that are, that, are, that are not very good. And God works on us. And most of us are still a work in progress. You know, I've been following Jesus for uh, 30 odd years now. And uh, there's a sense in which I'm still a work in progress. Uh, there's probably still some Asherah poles that I need to get rid of and, and, and destroy. There's probably things within my character that God's still trying to uh, refine. So Gideon doesn't become a warrior, a mighty warrior overnight. He's a work in progress. And we see this in the story of Gideon. Uh, that first of all, he has to do something in his own backyard. He has to sort out this altar to Baal and, uh, and cut down this Asherah pole. 
You see, this is what uh, Jeff Lucas says. He says, you see, Gideon, BW, that's before the wine press, uh, lived a fairly safe existence. Yes, there were dangers, but the same dangers that the rest of his family encountered. But Gideon, AW, that's after the wine press, uh, was challenged to live dangerously for God, to give a clear message to his people that they had gone astray. You see, Gideon before wine press and Gideon after wine press, he has changed, he is different. Uh, but he's not so different that people aren't going to recognise him. But he's called to do uh, a dangerous mission. I came across a story about a, a billionaire oil tycoon from Texas. And he decided to find a husband for his only daughter, a rather homely 18-year-old. He initiated his search by inviting all the local bachelors to a party in his own backyard. A large, elegantly designed swimming pool dominated the yard. And as the man edged to, the, to get their refreshments, they saw that the swimming pool was filled with man-eating sharks, piranhas and alligators. Animals that wouldn't think twice about eating you alive. Clustering beside the pool, the bachelors puzzled over this strange sight. Just then the tycoon appeared on the patio and gave an emotional speech, telling how much he loved his daughter and expressing how much he wanted her to marry someone deserving on her. And then he laid out the deal. Anyone who will jump into the swimming pool and swim to the other side will have the choice of a check of $1 million with no question asked, or the title deed to one of my most profitable oil fields, or the hand of my daughter in marriage." And your place in my will, which was resulting in you inheriting my entire fortune. The bachelors were speechless. Questioning looks seemed to say that none of them would be crazy enough to risk his life, even for all that money. The long silence was finally broken by a splash. Everyone turned round to see one man swimming to the far side of the pool as fast as he could, like an Olympic swimmer, leaping out of the walker. He shook himself down and stalked back to the tycoon. With a hug and a handshake, the tycoon congratulated the man on a fine swim. Son, he said, would you like the million-dollar check? No, sir, I wouldn't, responded the young man politely. Fine, said the tycoon, then would you like my most profitable oil field? No, sir, he replied, getting a hold of himself. With a tear in his eye, the tycoon asked then, Son, would you like my only daughter's hand in marriage? To the surprise of everybody else, the young man replied, no. Puzzled and a little hurt, the tycoon asked, well, what do you want? I only want one thing, the man replied. I want the name of the guy who pushed me in the pool. <laughs> well, Gideon, nobody was pushing him other than the... Uh, the word of the Lord coming to him and telling him what he was having to do. But he knew that it was a dangerous mission. And uh, do you remember in, in, the, in the last, in, in, in the end of the, the last week, we said that, uh, that Gideon, when he realized that he had seen the angel of the Lord, he was worried because he thought he was going to die. And God said, don't worry, you're going to die. He then gives him an assignment to do that could actually cost Gideon his death. Because when the people discovered what, what had happened and that his altar had been torn down, they wanted blood. And when they discovered it, it was Gideon, they come down to his house and they want Gideon. It's a, it's, it's a risky business, this, isn't it? Following God and, uh, and doing what God asks us to do. I don't know about you, but uh, you know, it doesn't always work out nice and simply. Sometimes God asks us to do things that are actually quite risky. 
might start with something very simple like, uh, you know, sorting something out at home about speaking to people at home. Uh, but then it involves taking things a little bit further. And this is what we see with Gideon. He's given this special assignment. But do you notice, because Gideon's made this stand, it's kind of a little bit in, infectious because when the people come round and, and, and say that they want Gideon, his dad stands up for him. And, uh, you know, maybe the actions of Gideon uh, prompted his father to realise how he'd been living and what he'd been doing wrong. And he stands by his son. You know, one person takes a bold step and suddenly else somebody else does. And it can be like that in church. It can be like that in church. One person decides they're going to make a stand for God. And they share the story and then other people are encouraged. And it can be a little bit infectious. And this is what we hope will happen, you know, when the Cape and Ray team comes and, and we go out into the schools and, and we do all this mission, that people will get excited about God's mission and they will be encouraged and empowered to be involved in mission as well. So Gideon is given a special assignment. And then we see with this special assignment comes a special anointing. With the special assignment comes a special anointing. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abazites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon. And suddenly, he takes up the trumpet and he summons people to arms. And the people respond amazingly. Why? Not because Gideon suddenly become this mighty warrior, but because Gideon was anointed by the Spirit of God. It's a little bit like in the, in the New Testament. Remember in Acts when the disciples, they were all fearful and hiding. Jesus has, has, has died, he's been resurrected, and he's ascended to heaven. He's ascended to heaven, and he's just about to leave this fearful group of people. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power and you will be my witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And, uh, you know, we need to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to help us with our mission. We can't do it on ourselves. Uh, we're not naturally bold and courageous people. But when you get a special anointing from God, it gives you, empowers you to do things that you wouldn't normally do uh, on your own. It gives you the strength and the confidence. And uh, some of you will know what I'm talking about. You face situations that you thought, you know, I can't do this. And you, and you pray and suddenly you are empowered and enabled to do it. And that's the Holy Spirit working in us. And so we need to pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to anoint us for the task that he has given us to do. To reach out with the good news of Jesus Christ. So the special assignment that God gives uh, Gideon, he gives him the special anointing. He, uh, he sends the Holy Spirit on him and, uh, and Gideon, uh, he calls peoples to arms and all these people uh, volunteer. And then we've got this uh, strange instance with the fleece. You would imagine that, you know, think about Gideon. Uh, an angel of the Lord has appeared and called him mighty warrior. Yeah, but could I have another sign just to check that this is God speaking? 
And now he's, he's torn down the, the, the altar to Baal and the Asher pole. And the people have come, uh, you know, a hanging party's turned up and, and, he, and his dad stood by him and they've not hanged him. You know, this is, this is amazing. And yet Gideon still isn't that sure and confident. He still wants that reassurance that God is with him. And so I guess if we know anything about Gideon, we've heard about Gideon's fleece. And uh, what Gideon gets is a special assurance. A special assignment is followed by a special anointing, which is followed by a special assurance. Look, I will place a wool fleece on the fleshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. As you said. Gideon, once again, is is wanting that uh, assurance. He's wanting that assurance. Then Gideon said to me, uh, he, he gets the assurance, uh, he, he checks it out, and the, and the fleece is, is wet and the ground is dry. You'd think that would be enough, wouldn't you? But no. Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. Roy Clements in his book about Gideon says the most important thing to observe about the incidents uh, with the fleece is this. Gideon's fleece was not a way of finding God's will at all. If you read the story carefully, you will see that Gideon already knew God's will. It was reassurance that this man was seeking, not guidance. This is a real lesson to draw from Gideon's fleece. Not, oh, what a good technique for finding God's will, but rather, what a wonderful example of God's patience and understanding attitude towards our natural fears and doubts. Folks, putting out a fleece is not a good way of finding God's will. It's not a good idea. I mean, you know, who would do that? Who would be so lacking in faith? Who would be so stupid as to put a fleece out to God? I mean, would you do that? Would you do that? I'll tell you about somebody that I once knew who, who did that. Uh, a young Christian uh, who thought, having, uh, having, having failed his 11 plus when all the rest of his family went off to grammar schools, he went to the local comprehensive school, uh, failed all his, his O levels and, and got a job working in a, in a local uh, warehouse, uh, suddenly felt that, that God might be calling him to, to Christian ministry. That person was me. And uh, I felt this really strong call. And not only that, I'd been given the name of the college that I thought I should apply to. I felt that God had told me that I should apply to Spurgeon's College. But what did I do? I said, look God, if you really want me to go to college, would you let the name Spurgeon's be mentioned three times today and then I'll know it's you? That night I was going to a church meeting and uh, they were in an interregnum and uh, they were interviewing a, uh, a, a pastor for the job. And in the opening things that the pastor said, he mentioned Spurgeon's College twice. And my heart's beating, my heart's beating. And I'm thinking, this is it, God's speaking to me. Never mentioned it again all night. Never mentioned it. <laughs> I went to bed that night and, and Sue says, what's the matter? You're very quiet, you know, what, what, what's going on? So if, you, if you're still thinking about Bible college, why don't you just write off to some colleges like, say, Spurgeon's? <laughs> Three times. The fleece I'd put out and God, God in his patience and, a, and, 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 and assurance had given me 
three times the name Spurgeon. is a ridiculous thing to ask for, but God was faithful and did it. But I'm lying there thinking, does it count? Does my wife count as one of the three? Does that count? Is that okay? This is, this is true. This is crazy. As I look back, I think, how stupid was I? The next morning, it was Sunday, I woke up and I thought, I said, I said, God, I didn't really know the story of Gideon, but as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, there's a Gideon in me. There's a Gideon in me because I say to God, I say, listen, I'm really sorry, God, but just to confirm that this is really what you want me to do, could you allow somebody else to mention the name Spurgeon's? That evening I went to, you laugh, it's funny, you can laugh, it's, it's ridiculous. That evening I went to the youth fellowship and again there was, there was a visitor there and they mentioned Spurgeon's College. Not a good way for, for getting guidance, just like, just like Gideon. Gideon already knew, an angel of the Lord had appeared to him and told him exactly what he had to do. But he wanted reassurance, we are like Gideon. There's a Gideon in me and there's a probably Gideon in you that wants to talk you out of doing anything that you think God wants you to do. There's that little voice that says, you can't do it. You're not good enough. I'm sure God can find somebody better for the job. It can't possibly be. And that's how very often we miss opportunities to serve God. The next day I wrote off to Spurgeon's College and it started uh, uh, a long kind of journey for myself, which uh, ended up in, in Baptist ministry. Uh, but like Gideon, uh, I was frightened. I was frightened about stepping out. And uh, God in his grace, you know, he gives us that special assurance. Uh, not because he responds to every time we ask for a sign. We know that Jesus said, it's a wicked and adulterous generation that asks for signs. I've never done it again. It's not something you do every week to find out what you, you should have for breakfast or, or whether you should go to church or not. But on, on odd occasions, uh, it would seem that God realises how weak and how fable we are and uh, he gives us that assurance. And there's a, great, there's a great thing that it says, that night God did so. That night God did so. He arranged it so that the fleece would be dry and the ground would be wet because he knew that his servant Gideon needed that reassurance because he knew he hadn't yet become a mighty warrior but he was in that process of becoming a mighty warrior and God is so faithful and God is so patient with us he puts up with all our mistakes he puts up with all our feeble efforts to serve him and he does everything to encourage him. He empowers us with that same Holy Spirit that came upon Gideon, that came upon those first disciples, that enabled them to, to speak out and do the things that they did for God. That same Holy Spirit is available to us. But also is that same special assurance. When you're feeling that you're not the person, that you're not good enough, that there's somebody else better, God just wraps his arms around us. And says, you know, it's you. I want you to do it and I'm going to equip you. You don't need to worry. You don't need to be frightened. And that's the God. That's the God that we worship. And he's a great God. So Gideon gets a special assignment. He gets a special anointing. And he gets a special assurance. And we've been given a special assignment. You and I are called to witness for Jesus Christ in our homes. It's interesting that he starts at home. What did Jesus say to the to his disciples? Uh, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which was their home, and then in Judea to the ends of the earth. We start at home, and then we move out into the neighbourhood, and then we move out further. 
And so Gideon is given a special assignment, starts at home. He's anointed a special anointing, and then he gets that special assurance. God wants to assure you this morning that he wants you to be part of his team. He wants you, and he can use you, and he can change you into a mighty warrior. It won't happen overnight. It will happen over time. If you keep doing what Gideon did, he actually did what God asked him to do. Amongst all the fear and all the anxiety, he stumbles through and God blesses him. And guess what? The story continues next week. 